0: previously on the loyal littles podcast
1: the amount of times i've told someone on a stand-up and they've said well tell me a joke I- it's like you- they
0: can't put you on the spot like that i but yeah it's like they just expect it to view out of you on, like on command and i totally get that it doesn't work that way
2: well adam i was gonna say as an homage to the show we'll get you out of here on this can you tell us a joke <laughs> i mean that's what i had that, so my whole end of the show is ruined Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. Welcome, Roxy. Welcome back, Chuck. hey Hi. Welcome and happy National Dog Biscuit Day. Let's not forget that. And I swear this isn't a new sponsorship, but I'm just going to read this. On February 23rd, your dog doesn't want a pat, to be scratched behind his ear, or to run after a stick. What he really wants is his biscuit, because it's National Dog Biscuit Day. This day is also known as Dog Biscuit Appreciation Day. It's the best day of the year for dogs. It's also a day to pamper your pooch because he deserves it. After all, he's your best friend. So give him his favorite biscuit or even better, stock up on his favorite treats. Now, does this sound like a scam or what?
1: Yeah, I think Purina is behind all of this. <laughs> or something.
2: Right? Come on,
1: Dog <laughs> now, Biscuit Day,
2: really? I know. It's like I don't. Every day Dog Biscuit Day. Yeah, now. yeah, really. Be... Every For day my should dog. be Dog Biscuit Day. Come on. No. We know Ro- Roxy wishes it was still yesterday because yesterday was Margarita Day. That's why I'm actually surprised, Chuck. You're even here. Did you celebrate Margarita Day, Chuck?
1: Um, no, I didn't. You know, Tequila and I don't. We have a bad relationship. <laughs> really? So. <laughs> I see. that's going back to you know there's like when you're a kid there's or young and you have that one bad night of drinking mm-hmm. and then you just you can never one? you can never one? well one specific poison <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and you can never Mine drink was that vodka. thing again yeah so it's kind of that's with, with tequila with me too many shots but you know i mean i have one every once in a while but very Wait, s- very
0: i have a question yeah. i mean i guess i guess chuck you haven't done this because tequila is not your best friend but In college, I used to put tequila in Dr. Pepper. It was Jose Cuervo, and I know that's a lower end. I've learned over the years a lower end tequila, I guess. But yeah, I would put Jose Cuervo in my Dr. Pepper, and I called it Senor Pepper. That was my (laughs) go-to in college, Senor Pepper.
1: I'm so curious of what that tastes like, Dr. Pepper and tequila. When I was a kid, we used to do Dr. Pepper and Southern Comfort, mm. and, which is kind of like a whiskey liqueur kind of flavor,
0: Ooh.
1: kind of like instead of like Jack and Coke kind of thing. But I've right. never heard of tequila, Dr. Pepper. I, I, I kind of rediscovered Dr. Pepper as a drink. So maybe I'll have to try that. And Roxy, yeah. what was it
2: called again? Senior Pepper?
0: I named it Senior Pepper.
1: That's Senor
2: Pepper. brilliant. Yeah, very that's, good. That's brilliant. Thank All right. You. Well, let's, let's get to some of our... Quick shout-outs and all that stuff. David Choi, best wishes tomorrow. I was so thrilled it was mentioned on the big show yesterday. He's getting his kidney, and he that happens tomorrow. So best wishes. We had brought that up on our show a week or so ago, trying to get the GoFundMe going for the him and everything, and we just wish him and his family the best. Bear with me here, you two. I'm doing my best here. Chuck, have you, do you have any idea what monovision is? <laughs>
1: mm, one vision.
2: One vision. Okay, but have you ever heard of it like a thing? (laughs) No. Okay, I, I, no, I, I hadn't either. Okay, so Chuck here had to go to the eye doctors, okay, because what's been going on is my prescription's good through July, but I've been recently noticing when I look at my cell phone, now this just started about two months ago, ironically. Roxy, be nice. Start of the
0: podcast.
2: Coincidence? Maybe. Okay. So (laughs) I've been starting to try to look at my phone and I can't with my contacts in. Now my eyesight's not that bad, first of all, but the point is I I am nearsighted. So I only need them for distance. Okay. And when I look at my phone now, I can't see my phone. Like I literally have to hold the phone, like at least an arm's length away for it to like focus in. So I got a little freaked out because this just started about a month, not even a month or so. I I've just noticed it about a month ago, and I've just been kind of living with it. And it's, but it's been really bothering me now because of COVID. I haven't really been wearing my contacts that much anyway, because I'm inside a lot, and I don't really need place to go. I'm certainly not driving anywhere, things like that. Well, anyway, it got bad enough where I thought I better go see an eye doctor just to make sure. So I go to the eye doctor, and I just tell them I'm going to get an exam because, of course, you know they have these fees, and I don't have the insurance for eye stuff. And so I go talk to them. And I I basically just said, look, can I just tell you a story before we go through? I'll still pay. I'm like, I'm more than happy to pay for the exam, whatever I need to pay for But I just wanted to tell them what was going on. I said, though, I said, well, since I'm here, I'm also get the eye exam and for contacts. And, you know, if you're just doing it for glasses, it's less expensive. But if you're doing it for contacts, it's a little more expensive. I said, whatever you need to do, well, I'll do it. I just want to talk to you first. So the guy was really nice, actually. He talked to me, heard my story, and he basically just said, he goes, well, there's three options here, you know, this, this, this. He goes, well, one of me goes, and a lot of people are doing this now, just just use monovision. And I was like, Mono- I never heard of it. I was like, oh, is this like, I'm thinking this is a new thing. So, but we go through the whole thing. But the one thing that made me laugh, and Chuck, hope this doesn't happen to you, but he goes, you realize this is going to happen when you get old. He goes, you're just old. <laughs> goes, you know, that's <laughs> oh, like, oh, burn. burn. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? man. So I
0: was like, oh,
2: man. But anyway, the point of the story is monovision. So he goes, so I'm sitting here like, okay, we'll do what you have to do. Because he said to me, he goes, So I'm just going to give you the exam, but I'm not going to fit you for context because that would be an additional $30, whatever it was. And I was like, wait, you're not going to do that. I said, well, what about this MonoVision thing? He goes, well, what do you mean? And I went, basically, Chuck, MonoVision means you wear one contact in, one contact out. Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that. No.
1: It's like wearing a monocle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. That kind of makes sense, Chuck. I didn't even think of that. Well, let me tell you, I can't even I can't even focus right now. Right now, I'm like looking at things and it's it's really kind of bothering me. I don't think I'm gonna be cool with it. But anyway, I thought I had to be like refitted and I thought I needed a whole contact exam and I didn't need anything like that. He goes, No, 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 you you've got the contacts, your prescription's fine. He goes, just put one in and one out. Which one? Well, good question, Chuck. So you use your dominant eye. And I didn't even realize that he showed me a test on how to do the dominant eye. And I went through it with Roxy and she was amazed. She was like,
0: (laughs) it's really cool. I had no idea that this is even a thing and that you can figure out. I assumed my dominant eye was my right eye because when I close my left eye, my right eye focuses quicker. And when I close my right eye, my left eye is a little slower to focus, but Chuck, you showed me this technique, and I'm like, I want to, like, run around the city and <laughs> test it out on signs all over the place. And I don't know. I just, I I never knew that this was a thing, and it kind of blew my mind today.
1: I have vision problems, too, but I think it's going to require bif- bifocal.
2: Chuck, that's what I thought I needed. I thought I was going to have to have bifocals because I could see far away the TV and all that stuff, but I can't yes. see my phone in front of me. So yes. I was like, oh, crap. And the guy was just like, no, you're just getting old. <laughs> Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I have to give I'm a at. shout out. I wish I knew his name. I don't remember the doctor's name because it's not my like my normal doctor. But he could have. I said, look, I agree to everything. I signed. I even signed forms that said I'll agree to the full exam and fitting for contacts and blah. Because my prescription's up in like six months anyway. So I was like, you know what, mm-hmm. just redo it. It's fine. Just the advice you're going to give me is worth. The exam. It's like a hundred and some dollars. But he only charged me like the seventy some dollars for the eyeglass exam because he's like, No, your prescription's not changing. I'm not gonna refit you for contacts. You already have contacts, you don't need it. So I was like, Wow, good on you for like not overcharge me for something I didn't need. So I thought that was really sweet. So that's anyway.
0: I'm glad you figured it out.
2: Yeah. So well, I just figured out that I'm getting old and I need (laughs) eyeglasses. I need like reading glasses, basically. Readers, that's what what I'm yeah, readers, uh, right. I've got I've Uh. uh, Chuck, you can get
1: like 20 pairs of readers on Amazon for like $10. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I know.
2: I'm and aware. then just so. then,
1: then you have to throw them all around the house because you'll never be able to find them when you need them. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm the same way. Like I gotta, I've gotta have. I don't have to, but there's some text that I have to like hold the phone. You know close up or get readers out to, to focus. But most of my vision problem is far away. So I mean, I have a prescription for classes for that, so.
2: Yeah, well, we're all getting old, we know that. So before our audience gets old, why don't we get out of here and get to our guests? <laughs> hey, <good> boy there. <laughs> but real quick, real quick, uh, we did want to say Littles, thank you so much. We put up some poll questions on our Twitter page. Thank you for all the, of you Littles who answered them. And it gave us some really good feedback. So anyway, thank you for answering the poll questions. We really appreciate it. Let's get out of here. We've got a great guest, and it's fantastic because he takes us through a process of something I just, I love listening about. So Loyal Littles will be right back with Meet the Littles.
3: Let me tell you about this girl that I know People say her smile seems to glow. She wanted to step out of the box, sick of feeling like a propted in one a blending.
2: Alright, all you loyal littles listen up, because this is pretty amazing. We are being played in today by fourteen year old Kyla Carter, that's right, I said, 14 years old. This song is called Average Puzzle Piece. And Kyla writes, I am a New York-born actress and started my career as a voiceover actress working for Nickelodeon when I was just six years old. Soon after, I started my professional stage career traveling the country for five years working on two Broadway national tours. I have recently added singer-songwriter to my list of things to do. COVID gave me the gift of time, and with that time, I started to write my own music and I fell in love with my guitar. Average Puzzle Piece was inspired by experiences I have had throughout my life. It is a song about being comfortable in your own skin and being true to who you are. There is so much pressure from society to blend in, but I have learned that it is okay to be unique. What I want people to take from this song is that having confidence in yourself is more important than what others think of you. Littles, if you want to get in touch with Kyla Carter and show some support for this 14-year-old upcoming actress-songwriter. You can find all her stuff on her music website, which is kylacartermusic.com. That's K-Y-L-A-C-A-R-T-E-R-M-U-S-I-C.com. That will have all ways you can stream. But, oh my gosh, she's got her own website, kylacarter.com. She's on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, I don't even know what some of those are. I I mean, I'm just kidding. But go look her up. And as always, we will play the entire song, Average Puzzle Piece, at the end of the podcast.
3: Try to take away your crown. You are so unique.
2: All right, all you loyal littles. It's now time to meet the Littles, and we have a great one today. We have the self-proclaimed world's nicest curmudgeon, and the man who loves to hear Tony Romo speak. Please welcome to the show, John Fitzpatrick. Hi, John, how you doing?
4: <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yes, how about you do. for an intro? <laughs> That's great. You've been in my Twitter, which is uh, a (laughs) questionable judgment, but yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, we'll definitely get to those stories in a second. Yes, indeed. But, I mean, and I know we don't usually start this way, but I have to ask you a question because I I almost feel like I need to bow down right now, but because we do have to live vicariously through you, Uh but I want to bring you back in time, if Mm -hmm. I may. April 15th, 2016, what was that moment day like for you? Do you remember... Was it like winning the Super Bowl? April 15th, 2006.
4: <laughs> yeah. Is this did the Chump?
2: Did you... Did, did, <laughs> Something to, Ooh, that could be a good segment. I believe April 15, 2016 is the day you got a shout out on PTI.
4: Me, yeah. So I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, I apologize for not and as someone who once worked at the National Archives, I should I should have that historical perspective.
2: Oh, I know. I'm sure you wouldn't. I I didn't think you would, but can, can you start there? I mean, we always sure. start in, Let's mix this up a little bit. Sure.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it actually uh, took me off the chair that I was sitting in, in the <laughs> studio at PTI. I, it was my first visit to PTI, and I'm not quite sure how many, I think it was in the early days of the folks who contributed to the show getting access to the show. I, I wrote to Jerry and said, hey, can you put me in touch with Bonnie? There's someone I'd like to help get to see the show. And he was a huge fan, and, and so I wrote to Bonnie, and and uh, she s- sort of knew my name from having, because she's a listener, and she likes the jingles. So anyway, I went, I got to go to the show, and went to the show, and and my friend also got to go, and so we experienced the show for the first time, and they shoot it just like it shows in the five thirty slot, opening, everything's in sequence, there's breaks in the middle, and then they do the the ending, and. Tony just did the shout out. And I was, I actually stood up off the chair in the back of the room. The people that I was (laughs) with all turned to me and said, what the heck is that? (laughs) I'm standing there like, no, nobody gets a shout. I mean, the shout outs are all some other thing at that. Right, right. And so uh, it was. So wait,
2: you're saying nothing happened like during one of the breaks or.
4: Oh, well, I mean, we had chatted beforehand because by then I'd been sending jingles to the show for a couple of Hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And he was, it was a warm embrace. It was not the first time that we met, but it was the first time that I'd been to PTI. So we had, you know, we had chatted and he had talked to my friend. And at the end of the thing, we took, we took pictures, but there was no, I mean, I had no expectation of that. And it was quite the thrill. Obviously I've clipped, I've clipped it. I've got it in my video archive and Uh and all of that (laughs) stuff. And because you keep, I I do keep all, that is something I learned at the archives uh, to keep (laughs) to keep all that stuff but yeah it was quite a thrill and then and then it was quite a what the heck among the littles and uh, you know subsequently uh, i'll just say plenty of folks that contribute to the show or send tony swag now everybody uh, gets consideration for the for the shout out but that was quite a thrill
2: Wow! Right. wow i can only imagine so so loyalists we, we didn't want to bury the lead on that one when i saw that i saw that in your archives i was like oh my gosh we have to start with that because that. Yeah. Talk I about thought Affirmation Baby. I April
4: mean, 15th, I thought I had violated the tax law. Uh, oh! Maybe when you're not drumming, you work for the IRS, but no.
2: <laughs> no, and I'm pretty sure that's the exact date. I, you could check no, me, in and we'll sure. call ourselves out on it if we got the wrong date, but I'm pretty right. sure that was it. So now, let's, let's go back, because yeah. I know most littles know who you are, of course, because of all your jingles and everything like that, but for the few that might not know... Tell us a little about yourself, where you grew up kind of thing, maybe where you went to school, whatever you want to share with the other loyal littles out there.
4: Yeah, I, I don't know. They, I'll say littles probably know there's somebody named John Fitzpatrick in Arlington, Virginia that gets things played, but I, not that anybody needs to to know me so much. But I'm a, I am grew up right here in the D.C. area. I live in Arlington now. I grew up in Arlington. I've been in a bunch of places between then and now. I had a uh, 35-year career with the federal government working in national security, I worked 27 years for the CIA. I worked about five years for the National Archives in an area related to, I'll say, classified permanent records. And then I finished up at the White House working in the National Security Council. And so lots of interesting, exciting things. And, wow!
2: I was just uh, going to say, I guess we did bury the lead. Sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> just another civil servant. There's you know millions of us, and uh, despite what here in in some political discussions, we're uh, we're all upstanding Americans, and you know. <laughs> Root for uh, the success of whoever's in the White House, and yeah. and that's uh, that's certainly the case. But I I mean I had a terrific time doing exciting things. I never thought I would work for the CIA, for crying out loud, and and stumbled into that, and then just stumbled into a bunch of other things. Now I've been I I, I retired. I left the government about a year and a half ago, and I work in like any guy with gray hair in the D.C. area as a consultant back to the government. <laughs>
2: now wow. okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna tread lightly here because i've got to ask but we also you know i'm sure you know you listen to the podcast we don't do politics really on the podcast but right i mean that must be so hard and it can go either way like if there's a conflict of interest there i mean if, if your political beliefs lean one way and yet the person occupying the white house or whatever is the op i mean can you go into that a little bit i mean what is that like
4: well yeah i think um you know, people come into the government from a bunch of different directions, and sure. some of them are motivated by the political nature of parts of government. But there's most of government operations are apolitical, right? The focus mm-hmm. is on gotcha. elections and D's and R's. And if you're on Capitol Hill, it's an entirely different experience because the political component is a significant component of actually executing what the jobs are. It's less so in the executive branch where the politics work out what the directions and programs are and then skilled professionals go and execute them. And the direction that those programs go, steer, I'll say left and right or, or steer around, depending on, you know, where you are in time and where you are in, whether it's foreign policy or other things. But largely, the people that are doing them are about doing those things, not about the political reasons that they're being done. And so, I mean, I started in 1984 in the Reagan administration. I'm old enough, I can remember the election night in 1980, I was in college, and we were all convinced because we were coming out of the Carter administration, and I'm 18 years old. Say, that's had,
2: Reagan's first election, right? right? We yeah.
4: all had to sign up for selective service when you hit that birthday. And we were all convinced with Reagan coming in that we're, you know, we were all going to get drafted. And they're going to bring back the draft and all of that stuff. So, I mean, that's a really naive you know, 18-year-old point of view. But the, the dynamic at the time is very different than what it is now. Um, but it was also it was like the Cold War. And it was, you know, you got Ronald Reagan out there calling the Russians the evil empire. And in those days, it was very much on the day to day of of working even as a super junior person at the CIA. And I'll I'll take that back to a story that actually goes to the show because we know Tony loves the Americans. Right. And The Americans uh, comes on whenever its first season was. And I have, I have two daughters. My older daughter is enamored of things Russian and took her semester abroad in St. Petersburg, Russia. And oh, then she, so she went off to St. Petersburg and loved all this stuff. And mostly she was motivated because she loves reading Dostoevsky. So she was not there because of the, war, the political aspects of things, mm-hmm. but she, she was enamored of what she'd learned of the culture. So anyway, she comes back from that, and a couple of years later, The American starts, and she's like, Dad, have you seen this show? Oh, it's set in, in the 1980s, and it's all about cloak and dagger. But, you know, I think it's a little heavy-handed, all this stuff about FBI people following all the Russians everywhere they went. And I said, not at all. That is exactly the way it looks. <laughs> It's hard to imagine. So things are so different now, sure. and not that we're any friendlier. We're just a different kind of friendly or a different kind of enemy mm-hmm. uh, with with Russia. But but anyway, it was. It, I don't want to get too bogged yeah, down. In sure. Career retrospective. But I but I did have a chance to see the world, uh, live in a couple of places, and do and see some cool things, including at the National Archives. The National Archives has. You know, I was sort of discovered my inner history nerd. I had an office uh, on the floor with the museum. And so every day I would stroll into the rotunda. And if anybody has been to the National Archives, there's this sort of fabulous shrine to the constitution and the declaration and the bill of rights that are mm-hmm. there in the center of the thing and all day long it's buses of school kids and yep. other tourists coming through there and really exceptional opportunity to see artifacts that the the archives
2: keeps and including some you know really special ones so yeah anyway yeah wow that's great yeah that we so actually, interesting yeah we actually got the royal treatment uh, actually the the year we met, right, Roxy? That was yeah. the first show we did together. Yeah. We were playing the Kennedy Center for a month with White Christmas. Yep. And so, of course, you get some connections here and there and we got, like, an amazing tour of the Pentagon where we actually got to go. We, I have some really great pictures of me, like, up at the podium and, you know,
0: yeah. and, yep.
2: and stuff like that. But one, that's, I don't know, Roxy, did you go to the archives? Because I did. I, I think
0: did. I did. Yeah
2: yeah. yeah. yeah, I definitely did. It was so amazing. Yeah. Now, Real quick, so how did you get into that? Did you what did you go to school for, if you don't mind? <laughs> so I was
4: a uh, I went to William Mary in here in Virginia and Virginia. was an economics and psychology major. So it has nothing to do with what oh, I am okay. doing. <laughs> so but, what did you uh, want to do? Well, I so here's how I stumbled into the CIA job. I borrowed my mother's car one day. So we only had one car in the house and she worked here in Arlington and so I was home from my senior year. Christmas break. And if you wanted the car, you took mom to work and picked her up at the end of the day. And then you tooled around in between. And so one day that I go to pick up my mom at the end of the day and a woman that she sits next to, who's known me since I was a kid, says to me, what are you doing about a job? And I said, you know, I'm interviewing with banks and brokerage houses and that kind of thing. And she says, do you ever think about the CIA? And I'm like, no. And- <laughs> But her husband was an executive at the CIA. So I go collect my mom from her desk. We're walking back by, and this woman's name was Betty. Betty's standing there holding out the phone. And she says, here, and it's her husband. And he says a few things to me, and would you like to interview? And I'm like, not turning anything down. It's the CIA. It sounds pretty cool. So
3: drive
4: home and... it's a ten-minute drive, and when I get there, there's a phone message already from this guy in personnel saying, "Call me back and come in for an interview." And that was the start. It was a, it was total serendipity that I had this chance encounter. Now, her husband was like a bigwig; he's like the number four guy in the CIA. So oh, when calls the recruiters to say, "Hey, go after this kid," and that's what I was. You say jump, he says how he says right. how high. So, so I think I I had no idea how easy a time i had getting through this process all because of this executive interest but i actually uh, graduated that may i actually went to work the week before i graduated uh, because wow. that was they said you can you can enter on this day in may or this day in september and i needed mm. a pay i needed a paycheck so i said you okay you want a summer job yeah right okay. so the first bad decision of my government career was to skip beach week after graduation <laughs> and then uh, Go to work. So I went to work, and and uh, I just I remember introducing myself to the class that I was in there. You had to be a college graduate to be in the program that I was in, and and I said, you know, I'm probably the only one in this room that's not a college graduate. And of course, the guy at the back of the room has a heart attack. Wait a minute, what? How could well, you get what, in here? Right. There? right. I, get,
3: <laughs> I, I don't graduate
4: until Sunday. So. Right. So yeah. So then uh, that that started. So it's complete fluke and one of those sliding doors kind of a circumstance and 35 years later
2: I... and I'm assuming you enjoyed it I mean you stayed with it all those years it's fabulous. I mean, it's, fabulous.
4: It's, uh, it's a civil service job in some respects and in other respects I got to see the Great Wall of China and uh, wow. the Nile and all over the globe so it was mm-hmm. uh, it was cool
2: so to DC related quite all right so you grew up there you said and so I'm curious this is one I always like to ask well first of all what's your favorite do you have a favorite sport? Are you a baseball fan?
4: Baseball, I'm
2: okay, Nats. great. So Nats. the question is: Were you an Orioles fan growing up, and then you changed, or what? What are your, what do you consider your favorite team?
4: So the Nats are my team. Okay, I, I I'll go backwards. I was an Orioles fan.
2: Okay, that's what I figured.
4: And then, but there were, I was a little league player, and the Senators were still here.
2: Oh right, yeah.
4: And okay. I have somewhere an autographed photo. Ted Williams as the manager.
2: Shut the uh, fuck okay, up. Yeah, man, this has is, this is gone too far, sir. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. I this know. Is, Ted, I mean, Ted. Ted. Ted is hanging up. You know, obviously, all over my apartment. And
4: well, you, you'll be aghast to learn that I have no idea where it is. I mean, it's in a box among the box. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. All right. <laughs> you know that reference, sir? Yeah, I do indeed. I do indeed. Oh That's my! It's one of Kirsten's favorites, by the way.
2: Wait. Yeah. Wait. wait stop. All right, back up. Hold, 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 hold. I have a bunch of boxes.
4: I have a. I got a Sonny Jurgensen football. Send call. me
2: all of them. I'll go through. them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I might even baseball. send it back. I mean, come on. So,
4: like, so, uh, so anyway, so I was a Senators wow. fan, and, and they left. And then I went to an Orioles game. My little league coach took me to an Orioles game. I got a program in that same box with Jim <laughs> Jim Palmer's autograph on it. And uh,
2: okay, Chuck right now would be going crazy. Yeah. Okay.
4: He's, he's a diehard O's fan. Diehard I, O's fan. You, you call can... him Tiny Chuck. I I think yeah. of him as the other Chucker. <laughs> so,
2: nice. I'll tell him you said that. Um, so, yeah, so then i went
4: to see the the orioles at, at a game it was just the most fabulous thing for a i don't know 10 year old and so i followed the i followed the o's and i was an o's fan into my out of college into my work in life and until uh, peter angelos fired john miller and that began my spite against the orioles and i have a similar one against the washington football team
2: um all right well can we actually go back for a second i mean there's so much to dive into here i just have all these questions I would love to know firsthand what it was like when your team left and because how old were you I was you just a kid, I don't know right? I
4: was seven eight I, I don't right. even, I so. don't even know it was the second I, I remember it was the second time in a dozen years and so and it wasn't a thing like I didn't go to games i I, I, I didn't go to a game until until a couple of years later
2: gotcha yeah
4: uh, so I was too young to be tracking him every day it was not a, I got I was you. Not so a kid Pulling out the box score to see what happened.
2: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So you obviously you weren't you didn't become an instant Montreal fan or anything like that.
4: No, it did not. It it hasn't even it hasn't even happened in the long term.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I referenced there was one episode yeah, I referenced so how I actually back,
4: they're the Nats, right? So
2: Well, right, exactly. That's true, right. So, yeah. you know, I did reference how I got to a game in Montreal before they left to go back to Washington and uh, it was just miserable. It was so bad. But when you
4: mentioned your, your uh, quest to go to all the ballparks, I thought of – I had a job at one point in my career where I was traveling all around in the United States. And so I would go try to get to all the parks, and I'd bring back a ball cap. Oh. And I had a you know ball caps. But now if I look at the list of parks that I've been to, like nine of the ones that I went to aren't
2: anymore. Right.
4: Right.
3: Jack-
4: mm. Jack- Jack-
2: Dome. yeah all these different i riverfront yeah oh, i was way too cheap for that i i went for the soda cup souvenir not the hat <laughs> 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 now real quick and then we'll take a quick break can you go quick into your tony fandom like how did that start i know you're from dc so that might be yeah. obvious but yeah. is it so... just the radio show and stuff
4: no no reading reading the sports page Oh, the
2: columns of course of course
4: and yeah. the although I don't sort of remember this in sequence, but uh, I, I think Tony said he came here in 78 or 79. And I remember reading his, it was before he had a column, he was a beat reporter. And and then I would see, why is the sports guy showing up in the style section? And so I do remember that. And then he, then he was a columnist and so forth. So but him and, and Will Bond read them forever. And um, when Tony got the radio show, very first incarnation i was i was working it was on during the day i didn't have opportunities to listen but he had a saturday clip show that was the best of tony kornheiser that would air from i don't know eight to ten or ten to twelve or something and it would have sort of the best stories that had happened during the week on the radio show and so i have scant uh, memories of all the regular callers. chad did a great job recounting the folks that got first level famous on the tony show in those days but i i remember it all from then and then i've just uh, been along for the ride in sort of every incarnation
2: well that that's fantastic now john you can stick around right i can all right well let's take a quick break and we'll be right back because we have a lot more to dive into here so littles will be right back with meet the littles you're listening to the loyal littles podcast on the wtfc podcast network
3: Welcome back to the Loyal Littles
2: Podcast. And we are lucky enough to be talking to John Fitzpatrick today. Now, we have a lot to get into here. Let's talk about the jingles. Because the thing that blows my mind, and this has happened before, you're not the first, that the littles know you mostly from jingles, and there's been others. And then you tell us your backstory. You tell us how you grew up. You tell us where you went to school. And there's no mention of music or Right, in any shape or form. So how did this all happen? Is this just a yeah. hobby of yours? Uh,
4: it's nice to consider it a hobby and not a pathology. So uh, <laughs> so one, music is on all the time. I'm a music guy. I have been since sort of the first record I bought or something like that. And then in school, I did some, I was in singing groups and shows here and there. And then a couple of, I'll say garage bands over time, including one when I was posted... To Germany at the embassy there and the boss had always had a band and so he put together a group and one of the guys in the group is just a fabulous mag- musician. He, fascinating background as you never I'm always surprised that you meet people in ordinary course of life and then you find out that they're a concert pianist or that oh, they right. have some fabulous singing voice. And so it's it's hidden in a lot of people that they have some musical talent. For me, I think it should be considered, it'd be better or more hidden. Uh, but I, you know, <laughs> stuff. anyway, so anyway, so we had this band and when we all came back to D.C., we kept going, you know, in garage and basement. Uh, band formats and sort of fast forward to and I was a singer in a woodblock you know that, but that was about as sophisticated as I could get uh-huh. wood block. and so uh, fast forward to the summer of 2013 and others have talked about how they got started with the jingles and that event uh, that started things then was this contest uh, to win tickets to see I don't oh, know somebody neat. Somebody I, uh, McCartney maybe.
0: Oh wow! Uh,
4: it was there was somebody. I'll correct me if it was McCartney or Billy Joel or somebody. At, I think at,
2: Joe Arrow referenced this whole context yes. though.
4: Right. Yeah. So that's that's really the origin, and not that others hadn't done something. Sure. Carol Family and his kids uh, singing a jingle and and doing that, but the idea that people would take the song and take other songs and sort of hybridize it with the mailbag jingle in the style of either in the style of a artist or using an artist's song. And, and as we know, jingles are, so anyway, they would play one every day as part of the contest. And one of the entries was this guy that I had been in the basement band with who's a fabulous sax player. And, and so I'm like, wow, wow. There's somebody I know on the radio and yeah, small and I, we, when we get back in the basement to do another thing, I'm going to rewrite one of these songs and we'll we'll record it in Greg's basement and do it as a jingle. And of course, that never happened. I didn't I didn't I didn't do it. And then I ran into Tony at an event and I was just like anybody else. I went up to him and put a few sentences together to say what a big fan I was. And we started talking about the jingles and he was, he's sort of transformed because he is has no musical capacity other than he's got musical taste and, and was a music mm-hmm. critic for some at one point in time. But So he's a love for music, but he doesn't have the ability to put anything together. And so he has this extraordinary appreciation for people who do, as you see. He gushes on the show, all the original music that gets into the show. It's all great. So anyway, I was sort of galvanized at that, at after that exchange, to say I'm gonna, I'm gonna do one of these jingles. And we had a big snowstorm a couple of weeks later, and I was stuck at, at home. And I went on Jerry's website, Jerry Negrelli's website, and there's a how to do it kind of, a, or there was at the time, a sort of video. And so I figured out GarageBand and figured out how to download a track. And then I just did a bunch of songs that I already knew, songs right. that done in these garage bands and in this embassy band. and also, well, I thought you were
2: going to say a karaoke or something.
4: <laughs> no, I had I never done karaoke, and they have only done karaoke a handful of times. But I figured out that's the way in and how to sure. use the things. And and so I I just wrote all these songs that I had done in the band as jingles. And there's sort of a couple of ways to come around to a jingle idea, and one of them is to take a song you like and just rewrite the words and make it mm-hmm. about tone. And so some of those early ones are simply me blathering. If something could fit, if you could fit Tony Kornheiser into a lyric, then I would do it. So that's, that's how I got started. And then they played one and then they played another and, and I was off to the races. I think I was a little obsessed. A lot of us were very obsessive about it at the beginning. There were, there were days when on Jerry's site, there'd be 10 new jingles posted um, wow. and I, I look back, and the first—if I started at the end of January 2014, which is when I did—you know—by the time the show went on hiatus that summer, I had done like 50 jingles.
2: I mean, that's. Wow. Well, I, that was one of my questions. You probably don't, maybe know. Do you? How many have you had played? How many have I had played? Yeah. I don't know the number. It's over 100.
4: Wow. Wow. That's I have incredible. because I have an archive where I—if it gets played or if an email gets read or I do this sometimes for Brad and KJ as well. I'll just do a clip of the segment where they played it and, and then email it. But I kept mm. them all. But yeah, I was a little too, like I said, pathology is a closer word than hobby, but I've
2: had help and I've. I've Well, right. I've, some of these I've great produced, jingles are collaboration. Sure.
4: Yeah. And those are the best. I mean, it's a, a, it's emblematic of the way that this iteration of the show, the one that was centered for a while around, around jingles really fostered, the community in a new way there's always been a way that community has gathered around the show whether it was the early people that would call in and send faxes i loved the, the detail in shad's interview about the, yeah. the, the <laughs> thermal paper coming out and tony <laughs> reading it
0: <laughs> right
4: like <laughs> that old guy i like that but yeah so that's where everybody started working behind the scenes and helping somebody out guys like john nicewinger and jason fuse playing if you can't find a track and you really want to do that song, you could collaborate with them offline and, and come up with something. And some of those have been really, really good.
2: I mean, it just blows my mind because someone like myself and Roxy Bold, we studied this in college. You know, we went yeah. to school for music and mine was music education and whatnot, but I was still performing. I was an opera major. Sure. And you all come out and do these amazing... And I'm not, I won't embarrass you, but KJ, I'm sorry, in my opinion, that and I'll say it right, KJ, ukulele version of the mailbag theme. <laughs> it's great. Uh, great. I mean, it's yeah. like, and I'm like, that's how a lot of littles know you, KJ. Right. And she's like, oh, stop. You're. Yeah. You know? I'm like, no, yeah. but seriously, she's got a really, really, in my opinion, a good voice. You know, oh, fab- it's like fabulous. Yeah. And there was no mention of, yeah, I grew up doing this and I studied music or, you know, and it's just. And, well, man, I mean, I would
4: argue, and I don't want to discount anybody's musical talent because you know, <laughs> Kirsten's voice is fabulous John icewinger J- I mean these are playing Jerry's excellent singer musician all performer I mean there's loads of musical talent but music is about the last thing that has to do with jingles right it's the vessel but they're they're about loving the show and snark if in, in the best yes. ones in my- in my opinion, are about.
2: Oh. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I was very, it was very interesting because Joe Arrow was on months ago and he was one of our first guests and he yeah. was very animate about that because yeah. a lot of times he gets a lot of the praise and he was very, and he's like, nope, nope. Yeah. I need to mention these people because without them, no one would even know who I am. Yeah, and no, he thought that was, that was really honorable of him.
4: Yeah, no, he's he's he is a sweetheart. He is just as nice in real life as he was on the show. And he loves this community and he's been a big part of reaching out to people and working with people. So it's great. But that that's the that's the communion that happens in the show. And that's happened around a couple of different things. The jingles generally the website that's Jerry's website is now called Little Songs. Uh, net yeah. that's uh, center of it and then for a while speaking to tangents and and you've had both those guys on and that was a great way for everybody to come together and now you guys you guys are the next uh, uh, or the, cur- the current about that? And you've got well what you've got that's you know every one of these things is organized a little differently right and sure. Uh, sure. either organized specifically around the show or specifically around the songs. And yours is organized specifically around the people that love all those things. And,
3: yeah.
4: and I uh, super enjoy hearing from folks that I, that I don't know. And I could listen to Mary Fair Randolph's accent all day. She probably says, I don't know. Right? But <laughs> I was, I was, I, I actually did this. I hit rewind so I could hear her say funny. Uh, <laughs> she was uh, John, about John. how she found the podcast and shared it with some other folks on a walk. And, is saying it's funny and I just she's right and I loved it
2: I'm gonna give you a little tidbit she's actually got a little jingle writing in her she does she sent us an email she was like oh I worked on this but no one ever touched it or and I didn't send it in because I didn't think it was any good she there was uh Mary Faye. I'm so sorry it was a Christmas one
0: it was uh Santa Baby
2: Santa Baby but it was based on one of the Texas she's a big college football fan and it was about the coaches coming in and out I'm selling you, it was really good, yeah. I thought. So it's funny how all these just people all around the United States and probably out of the country too, that get together and do these, it's just, it, it really is mind blowing to me because yeah. you hear these and you hear, and it just seems like one keeps getting better and better. Now, real quick, I want to go back because you say you still listen to music. Yeah, sure. Oh, good for you. that's all i have to say good for you (laughs) yeah no because i reference this i don't want to go back into it because i've already referenced this on a podcast about how i used to listen to broadway show soundtracks night and day day and night all the time 24 7 and i knew everything and now it's just podcast 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 now that's probably because i have this major interest in it well
4: they're uh, absolutely a they've wedged in a bunch i have a bunch of different podcasts can't listen to them all uh so you end up with whole hierarchies of when you'll Delete. How old can an episode be that you'll delete it before right. you do it, all of that stuff? Right. But my, uh, my younger daughter has uh, got, uh, got some stuff from me, and one of them is just the interest in listening to music of all different kinds. Mm. And even though I don't any longer, I've been through every musical phase that there is over my decades. And um, and she experiments in the same way. So she serves up stuff to me because I'm no longer checking out every musical thing on the spectrum, but she'll say, hey dad, you'll like this one. And, and so that keeps me from, uh, honest to God, I on my turntable right now, and yes, I, I have a turntable again. I do
2: too. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just got it. I had
4: gotten rid of everything. I was all into changing formats. I had uh-huh. nothing. I even wow. had gotten rid of most CDs and everything's digital. And then I just something, a point where you're aged to a point where you're like, okay, I'm going back. But what's on my turntable now is Steely Dance Asia. I mean, that's oh, the old, nice. that's an old-guy classic, and sure. I could listen to it every
2: day. And Okay, it's sad that we're calling that an old-guy classic now, but yes, well, I, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is. But. Absolutely. Wow, that's fantastic.
4: And I don't know. We might be able to assemble. Many of the songs on that album have been jingled. And it's almost—Jerry Negrelli had a, uh, an effort at one point to do every song oh, that the road— good they were going to was going to be done as a jingle they were going to jingle the whole thing and i don't know how far he got i don't even remember but you know the idea of jingleizing an entire album is uh you know you could probably go pick through there's i don't know four thousand songs on that website and right. you find most of asia most of a bunch of classic albums out there sure
2: now you referenced this a little bit i'm curious now obviously we would need a whole nother segment to go into this and maybe we'll have you back on someday Um, hopefully we'll still be running then. You went into saying specifically like the music is really the last thing that goes into a jingle. So what is the, I mean, I know you can't really go into the process exactly, but what
4: what is, well, I think there's a, there's a moment. I mean, the way uh, I say this now, because We've we've heard thousands of jingles and there's a bunch of different ways that, that you can do it. But with me, when I would hear something on the show. So the first thing is there's some ridiculous thing that Tony says. Now He says ridiculous things all the time. <laughs> and the fact that we can make fun of the ridiculous things he says is, I think, the essence of the best jingles. And so there's got to be a moment on the show that says, huh, that is worth making fun of or that is worth playing back. And we have overdone this in some ways. The idea that you can write a jingle about anything that happens on the show, it's been done. But the idea that some things beg to have jingles written about them, that's when they become the best. And so whether it's Tony starts talking about Peter Asher and he goes off on one of his 60s recollections that we've heard a hundred times about Paul and Jane Asher and blah, blah, blah. And then he tells he tells this story about somebody gave him a cameo i think michael gave him a cameo of peter asher talking to him now the idea that tony now knows what a cameo is <laughs> right one that's pro- there's probably a jingle there right and so there's a thought there that he's just discovering you know like he did when he just discovered his phone and right. and those kinds of things but then then he goes on and his reaction to this is he wants to call peter asher to tell peter asher who he is who's the Tony that you were talking to and get somebody to turn PTI on in Peter Asher's house so that Peter Asher will know he's not just any Tony but he's that Tony so I immediately two songs popped in my head so I was thinking about it because I haven't written a jingle all the way through to performing it and putting it up on the site in months um, but I do, I have done this a bunch of times where I'll write the whole jingle and then I won't do it. Oh, and I won't do me, it yeah. because it can't do it for – it doesn't fit. It's really hard to fit it in a minute. The format of the yep. song,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. the,
4: the way the jokes land in your version of it have to land within that minute. So it's – there's some there's some issues there.
2: Mm-hmm. But, um, I, so one of but, our past guests said it was – it's one of the hardest things in life is to be smart and funny in under a minute.
4: In under a minute. And, <laughs> And Jerry's the best at it, and really. But I had these two reactions. One, he can't stand that Peter Asher doesn't is not going to know who he is. And then he can't. He can't. I can't stand it. This is Eric Clapton song from the early '80s. I can't stand it. And oh, right. I can't stand it. And then I could. I would go to the. I didn't. I haven't done this yet, but I'd go to the website with the lyrics and look at it. And I would. I'd find you know play that song and say, is there a minute segment of this? that has verse and chorus sort of closure that you could do a minute of. And if yes, then I would rewrite the song and just stick mm-hmm. every kind of thing in it. But he finishes this segment, and I had that thought while the segment is still going on, and he finishes this segment by saying this bit about he'd want him somebody to turn the TV on in front of Peter Asher, and the guy, you know, is this guy somebody? And oh, right. I thought of, and this is, he went off on, on the Bee Gees a couple of times in the last month or so talking about that HBO documentary and I thought to love somebody that BG song to love somebody Uh am I I somebody is he somebody so (laughs) so there's weeks that go by where I he says ridiculous things and I don't think of a song Uh, but but one of the ways that I still work on him is when those things happen you I mean there's another way you can do it which is to love a song and just say I love that song so much I'm going to do a jingle about it I've done plenty Mm -hmm. of those And, but there's a, you know, there's a there there. So.
2: Well, Roxy, I apologize. One of these days we're going to get like (laughs) someone that says, oh, and in my private time, I'm a dancer and I'm just going to let you go. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any questions?
0: Yeah, actually, I have a question. What has been your favorite jingle that you have written? Mm -hmm. If you have one.
4: I'd have to say based on the reaction. I, mm-hmm. I think the reactions are what makes things most memorable. Grapefruit juice for three sixty nine is just the favorite thing of mine that went on the show because of what what happened, and that's Brian Adams Summer sixty nine uh-huh. uh, jingle about a conversation that Tim Kirchen and Tony had on the show. Jeannie was a guest. And it was nothing about baseball, it was during the playoffs, and it was about Jeannie ran into Tim at Harris Teeter in their neighborhood, and they end up start talking about groceries and Tim's love for avocados, and (laughs) it's the most ridiculous thing ever. And I remember listening to it on, I, I commuted, so I was on the train and on the way home, and I'm like, this is just so stupid. (laughs) And I listened to it and I did that thing. I listened to it a second time to figure out what's the way in with a song. Mm -hmm. And when Tony says, he mentions the price of grapefruit juice, 369. I'm like, oh, summer 69. Let me just go look at those lyrics and see what I can do. And I jammed every line. That was ridiculous in that conversation into the thing, and then they played it the next week. Tim would come on on Fridays in in the baseball playoff season, and he played it to him the next week, and he fell apart, and the show fell apart, and (laughs) I was just so ecstatic. So it's not my favorite song. It's certainly not my favorite song to sing. I don't Mm -hmm. think I do that good a job, but the but the circumstances of the
2: on the show were you know extraordinary. So that's
4: my
0: gotcha.
2: That's my favorite. Well. John, we can't thank you enough for coming no. on and telling us all the story. But I do have one. I mean, so let me do one. It's not really a fun demo. It's actually one a little came up with, and it's one mm-hmm. we've been enjoying. What is the one thing that Tony does that drives you the most nuts?
4: Uh, there's only one. Um... <laughs>
2: all right, give me toxic, now. <laughs> That's a good answer, actually. We should just you're, leave it at that. No.
4: Right. <laughs> I think we. I think we should. I think the fact that he does things that drive us nuts is part of why we listen. He's a curmudgeon. He is frustrating in many ways. He's. He knows all these things. His self awareness is both missing and at times surprising because he is. He does show awareness that he is clueless, and if you uh, there should be a special word. There's probably a German word for that, uh, being uh, uh, aware that you're unaware. But, uh, but I, you know, I don't think of it in terms of that. I just blow past it. I don't fast forward too much, but I, uh, I can tune him out, but I would, <laughs> I wouldn't hang on any one thing because his unique characteristics, many of them are frustrating and annoying and they put some people off. Um, I love that you've given the term tiny to people who aren't little, so they're not familiar with the show at some point, Roxy, are you going to be reclassified? From time? You know,
0: I've been thinking about that. And I think when I go to my first Jingle Fest, I will then have graduated. <laughs> yeah. right. But I do. I mean, sure. I don't know if I'll ever listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm learning a lot and eventually will know enough where right. maybe my status will change a little bit.
4: So there's another end of that spectrum, which is people who are exposed to this and don't keep attached, right? So I'd say mm-hmm. your your tinies are somehow attached. And there's got to be a term for micros or something that, that, that <laughs> right. have, like, I want nothing to do with that.
0: Right. Uh, there's,
4: a, there's a dynamic. I wrote a, I wrote a jingle about it. Can't listen to you with my wife to Got to Get You Into My Life, the Beatles song. Yeah. <laughs> such a, and I'm not married, so this isn't. But it's such a common experience that people yeah. are like oh my I can't and they get exposed to it and they really can't so right. I, I do right. i do wonder about your trajectory
2: roxy i do too <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see who knows yeah it's exciting to watch though it is i mean it, it's yeah. funny it's great that she gets to meet all these people too because she's really enjoying that so yeah all right well john so as an homage to the show we'll get you out of here on this yeah. and i referenced it when i first introduced you and we didn't get into it so maybe some of the listeners will knowing it had to do with a mute button and Tony Romo. <laughs> so I am not a I...
4: Nerd of Tony Romo's <laughs> style of color, and gotcha. so many people are. It's just mm-hmm. different tastes.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's
2: it's you either love him or you hate him. I feel like
4: right. So my Christmas, I, I tweeted something out about a Christmas list that was a mute button, but just for Tony Romo. <laughs> And then, when, and then I remembered it during one of the playoff broadcasts recently, and and then I retweeted, and said, you know, Santa let me down.
3: <laughs> Tony
4: Romo's still on my TV. Gotcha. So, and, and and then I snarked on my mute button because his partner's Jim Nance. a mute button like no other. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. That's great. All right. Well, John, p- what do you want to plug? Do you have anything to plug?
4: On Twitter at FitzJohnP and. Uh, okay and it's mostly me cracking wise chatting with the other littles and uh, when the nets uh, play it'll be about the nets
2: well we certainly can't thank you enough for coming on well, thank and, you for having uh, me. it's great oh, it's our pleasure all right loyal littles we'll be right back Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. I mean, again, this just, these these interviews just are so great. And they really, the content just kills me because, first of all, that was so exciting because for all you littles who don't realize this, that episode, when we recorded it, it was the morning that the Tony show came out about the cameo. So literally a couple hours after the big show dropped, we're interviewing him And so he's talking about, and one of the cool things, I didn't know if it would make for great podcasting or not, but one of the things he was interested in was maybe we could do the episode based on me writing a jingle with you and Roxy. And I thought, oh, that could be a clever idea. But then we just started talking and we're like, no, this is more of an interview and I wanted it to be more about him. So we kind of got away from that, but he did go into detail about what goes into getting the idea how it becomes a jingle and all that stuff. Well, the jingle that he's referring to, it actually aired on the big show on February 15th. And he was thankful to us. He even said at one point, after the fact, I congratulated him on getting on the big show. And he said, oh, I should have credited you and Roxy. I was like, for what? Why? He like, we didn't do anything. We we're just <laughs> listening to you talk. And he, I mean, he also referenced how he hadn't submitted a jingle in months. And he said, Roxy and me gave him the inspiration to get back into jingle writing and stuff. And so there it was. So that was kind of neat in that interview. just And what a nice guy. So anyway, next, we want to do a quick shout out. David Wild. Roxy, I don't think you know who that is, but I am looking forward to your interview with the Loyal Littles. Hopefully you'll want to do that someday. But I am just i just need to say thank you for the nonstop content you give on the TK pages. And sometimes I'm up till like three or four in the morning editing these podcasts. I see you there and you post these things. Well, he posted one the other day and it's this. Buttered saltine crackers, and it was he actually. It was an article, I think it was from totallythebomb.com. And they say buttered saltine crackers, quote, are the new hot snack trend everyone is talking about. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? David then asked, but mayonnaise. Now we're not going to get into that,
1: <laughs> but I'm sorry,
2: new snack trend. What the hell are we talking about here? I've been doing this since I was a little kid. Now, I- am I out there? Do you guys not put butter on your saltine crackers?
0: I don't, but I wouldn't think it. I I wouldn't think it was weird if I saw you doing it.
1: I would think I... you are weird. What uh, are you... now? Well, I did used to put peanut butter, so I guess it has the word butter in it.
2: Oh, uh, are we going back to that Smooth <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: no, because, but because I've never ever heard of out. anybody putting pe just regular butter on their saltine crackers. No, but yeah, I I haven't eaten saltines in 20 years. So maybe I'm not maybe saltines just in general.
2: Well let me tell you you want you want a little trick? Littles, here's here's what you do. Okay, because one of my favorite times to have said buttered saltine crackers are with grilled cheese and tomato soup. Now in general any soup, whether it's clam chowder, anything, I have to have crackers. I just love crackers. That's Mm -hmm. my thing. Okay. However, specifically with tomato soup, you butter the saltine crackers and then I throw them in the bowl with the soup and the butter starts melting into but the soup. then they get all soggy. Now you eat them quick. I eat them quick. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put like two <laughs> in at a time and I'll just keep putting okay. two in at a time. And then gotcha. so you dunk them in. Get them all soupy, and then you eat the cracker. You know, you can split the cracker in half, the saltine, mm-hmm. so you get two bites out of it. So, and then a lot of the butter melts into the soup. It's so good. It's so good. That does good. sound
1: good. That Yeah, good.
2: yeah. You got to try it. I mean, look. Now, here's the thing. I have seen, Chuck, it's kind of going off of what you just said. Well, I put peanut butter on. It's butter, blah, blah, blah. Well, I've seen people put butter on graham crackers. Now, God. yeah, that to me is not right, what? okay? Yeah, These are the same people oh. that go
1: to the fair and get like butter on a <laughs> stick and just lick it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing though, Chuck. It's like, hey, it's a cracker. Well, I put I put butter on my saltine crackers, so yeah. what's the difference? No, I, I feel like
0: Graham crackers are more of like a desserty thing, and butter. I mean, yeah, you you bake desserts with butter, but you don't then take butter and spread it all over. Lo- I don't. I mean, maybe yeah, I don't, people I don't know put on anything, that on anything That's a little sketchy
2: to me. Well, like I said, I don't know. I just that I I've seen people do it, though, and it kind of grosses me out. But I can't judge, I guess, because like I said, I love it on saltines. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is David Wild. Thank you again. Seriously, I haven't I've never mentioned you because I don't know. You, you're just kind of quiet. And I, I sit there and see all your posts in the in the TK groups and. And they're just always fun. You're always giving new content. So major shout out. And this was the one. This was the one that put me over the edge where I'm like, okay, I've got to do that on the podcast. Because when they're like saying, what was the quote? It's the new hot snack trend everyone is talking about. I'm like, what?
1: I'm just envisioning people like on the couch with like a box of saltines and like some squeeze butter. And just like like you used to do with cheese Whiz and just like mm-hmm. squeezing butter, you know, maybe like a two-inch pile. And they're mm. like, throwing it back while they're watching Netflix yeah. or something. No. No, and I'm I like, mean, I that's used just to, like, I don't
0: get it. I used to spread peanut butter on, like, Ritz crackers and then put a little dollop of jelly. And instead of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I would have peanut butter and jelly on crackers. Well, that's, yeah.
2: that's another one. You would never put butter on Ritz crackers, right?
0: No, I wouldn't because they're already buttery.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. So peanut butter, yes. But yeah, I don't know if that a Ritz cracker to me is like a graham cracker. But also we had some littles comment in. James Williams says, I eat saltines with peanut butter. My grandpa used to eat them with butter. Now, Chuck, you said the same thing, right? Yes, you peanut put peanut butter, butter on saltines
1: uh, when I was a kid. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
2: And fine. I would do the same thing. That sounds fine. That sounds like a kid food. And it doesn't matter if it's smooth or crunchy. I'm just, now. Well, it now, doesn't here's spread on crunchy. Now, here's the one that's going to end the conversation, okay? And I'm just calling it at this. Daniel Williams, I don't know if he's had any relation to James, but he says, I did these with cream cheese as a youth. Butter? No. Now, wait, hold the phone. You're telling me you'll put cream cheese on a saltine cracker, but you won't put
0: butter? I mean, I guess that's like a bagel. Just yeah, a, well, a like saltine is not big. More of a baby. crispy. No, well, no, but it's like a bread-ish. Like it's in the bread category, I think.
3: Okay. Maybe. I mean, um, if we're if
2: we're going there, then David Wilde, sure. Let's let's try him with mayonnaise and see what happens. Okay. <laughs> and we'll just call it
0: because I can't.
2: I just can't. I don't know. It's so funny. I am how... gonna
1: try it. I'm gonna try it. I, actually, the soup thing is the way. Yeah, I would
2: tomato soup. Tomato
1: yeah. soup. That sounds because you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like a little. Doll up a daisy or something in the, you know, make kind of creamy it up a little bit. So that sounds right. like, that's a win. I could see that. Yeah.
2: All right. You too. Well, let's go try some butter on crackers and get out of here. Roxy, tell everyone Ooh. how they can get in touch with us. Eating good tonight. You, yeah.
0: <laughs> you can email us at WTFC pod net at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod or our Facebook
2: page, The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget, Apple, iTunes, all that stuff. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We're doing well, Littles. I mean, we're almost yeah, at we 300. Are. I've been doing some really hardcore work on finding people out in the Twitter world to hopefully follow us and listen. And But we could never do it without you. All your retweets and shares and all that stuff help so, so much. So we can't thank you enough. All right, Chuck. All right, Roxy. Say goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye and as always don't forget if you're out shopping online tonight use, use the, code. the code
1: and knickknack paddywhack give a dog a bone
3: let me tell you about this girl that I know. People say her smile seems to glow. She wanted to step out of the box, sick of feeling like a prop didn't want to your average puzzle piece I don't give in or give up I'll always know that I mean love What? know that I your average puzzle piece. I don't give in nor give up. I'll always know that i mean enough. The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC
0: Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco.
3: Oh yeah.